everybody and welcome to the show. Um, sorry this is really late because normally we do this on Wednesday of last week, but it's Monday of this week, but the election's coming up and everybody's been kind of crazy, as you can kind of imagine in Montana. Today I have a very special guest who you've heard about a lot on the show and on This Ends Well, my show with Kelson, and that is my mom. Hi mom. Hi. How are you? I'm good. So one of the things that we've always talked about on the show is that I uh, tend to be far more liberal than you, and you tend to be far more conservative than is reasonable. <laughs> I resemble that remark. Uh, but it's, so it's interesting because, you know, growing up in the house with you, uh, obviously you had your political rants that you were on and I get them, but uh, how's it been like raising a child who went off on his own direction and came back and, and doesn't listen very often, I guess. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it really is interesting to have a child return as an adult and, and be able to, to kind of wander through the thought processes and uh, reflect on where you went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I should have drowned him. As, no. <laughs> uh, Actually, I don't think you're all that liberal. Nor well, do I, I am, think I'm that conservative, no, and, except and for I we've got know. a couple of issues, you know, that we come at from, you know, legitimate but different perspectives. But I think for the most part, our political views really aren't that different. Well, I think that's probably true of a lot of people. What's really funny is they see, you know, you're one degree off from somebody else and, oh, it's the end of the world. We must change it all. I can't talk to you. You're, you're no longer a friend. Uh, and so we, we see a lot of that in politics today. Instead of just going, well, they've got a slightly different viewpoint. Let's see what we can work out. You know, there's not a lot of working out that's going on. You've got that. Um, you know, and, and it, it's developed over a long period of time. But I think... Probably with the growth of 24-hour news channels and the internet and blogs, people gravitate toward what reinforces their worldviews of things. So back when we had ABC, NBC, and CBS basically feeding us whatever you know, they chose to feed us. We were getting pretty much the same message, though, from the three main sources of information that most people... So you didn't have too many people, you know, coming at things from a, a completely different perspective and wound up about them. Um, so I think there was at least, to a certain extent, some... Um, Less disagreement, uh, you know, sir. I mean, there's always been disagreement. Everybody's always, you know, this side, that side. But with the additional information that is out there now and very readily accessible to people, you find people just inundating themselves with the viewpoint that coincides with theirs and demonizing the others rather than finding commonality. They're finding differences and going with it. And it gets really discouraging sometimes. Well, and it gets really tired. And one of the things that has made me crazy <laughs> most of my life is that this thought that just because something's different, it's not as valuable or it's not worth as much 
And that just makes me crazy. And that's a fundamental thing. You know, it, it actually is a fundamental thing. It goes back to equality. If you don't think that I deserve to be treated equal to you, then we have a problem. And and if that's your worldview, if that's the, the point that you start at, I think pretty much everything else that you come up with is suspect. Because... Your basic, the basic point of you look out at the world and you see other people and you don't think that they're equal to you, that's a flaw. And, you know, everything that's refracted through that is flawed as well. Or at least I suspect it is. And certainly I'm going to look at it a little bit closer. Well, I think you're making a statement that's entirely too broad. And I know where you're going because we've been there. Because <laughs> I'm uh, subtle. <laughs> yeah, like your mother. Um but I think, you know, hey, I don't see everybody as equal. And that's okay. Well, no, no, no. You should see everybody as equal to start with. To start with, I absolutely Once you get to totally know them, there's certainly there's times where you go, oh, princess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. But that's, some, some, but that's the whole but, point. It's that starting point. It's not where you get once you know somebody. It's literally the starting point of we are all equal to begin with. And, and, and if totally you don't start understand, there... Um, you know, but okay, let, I think most people in this country do start there. It's just that they tend to take a turn to the left or the right very quickly after the starting point and they don't go back to that. Uh, there are some fundamental things. Some of it I understand. I mean, um, as you well know, I was raised you know, very conservative, Catholic, you know, mass and novenas and the whole thing. And, and Sister Mary Meanface. Sister Mary Meanface, yes. And, and <laughs> you know, that that kind of an upbringing, or, well, any kind of an upbringing on any child, you know, that creates some fundamental truths in their worldview that you... You know, you really have to grow a long ways away from that in, you know, the maturation process because those are things that are fed to you before you can question. Right. And, you know, when you, when someone starts attacking those, challenging those, uh, questioning those kind of fundamentals that you've been brought up with, uh, it tends to rock people uh, at a very, very basic level. And some people can't handle that. That You know, it's like, oh, no, by God, I know this is the one true way. And then and... we end up with the Tea Party. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, and, and you know, the Tea Party and, on one side and Occupy on the other. I mean, they're, they're opposite and, and, sides of the same coin. But again... The Tea Party is not monolithic. It is not one value. Neither is Occupy, but exactly. but they're both extremists spectrum. and they're going in this weird direction that doesn't help anybody. But you know, when when the Tea Party kind of started up, I was I was curious. I mean, I was I I went to a couple of meetings and 
Yeah. This is how homosexuality happens. You first you're curious, you go to a couple of meetings. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there because that's that's how the the people who are straight and don't get it honestly see us. Like like we had a couple of meetings in college, we took a vote and I I was voted in. You know, that's how it worked. I, that's yeah, not how and, it worked at all. Uh, and you know, anybody who who really is close to somebody who is gay knows that that isn't how it happens. It's it's neither something that you can choose or have control over. It just is. It's who you are. But people who, who don't have the experience of being close to somebody and having the ability to honestly discuss it don't get it. Right, they and don't. it's it's not that they're being mean. It's not that they're being deliberately closed-minded about it. It's that this is a concept that challenges their fundamental foundations that, you know, the things that they were told all along and have continued to believe. And you don't change that in a person. Instantly. Yeah. Well, even instantly, but also, you know, without them being able to do it slowly and step by step and, you know, question the little things before you get to the big things because it it's not you know i mean you you think of a a building and a, a foundation of a building you know that's not one element it you know it yeah around here we make foundations out of poured concrete but still you've you've put it together you know with the you know, framing the forms. And rebar the, and other and elements in it. And, and you stick it together and there, you know, there's the outside, there's the inside, there's the structure. It's a lot of elements to create a foundation. So when you're dealing with somebody who has developed a foundation based on certain truths as they were taught and accepted and have not challenged as they've grown older, because... They literally probably didn't have to challenge it. Nobody in their, you know, immediate circle, you know, was there and, you know, suddenly is going, oh, my God, you know, this is different than what I thought. Um, you know, they're not, they're not going to go from that kind of a footing to suddenly changing that whole world view you know i i sometimes wonder seriously kevin what would have happened if grandpa jim were still alive when you hit teenage years and high school and and he actually had to deal with it and confront it because there's nobody on this planet that adored you more than grandpa jim Grandpa Jim was old school Butte Irish Catholic. Yeah, I get along with a lot of old school Butte Irish Catholics, so I, I don't know uh, that he would have had as much of a problem as you think. And, and, and I, I think I it probably know. would have been because of, you know, his adoration for his grandchild. But I think it would have been a problem for him. Well, he would have uh, gone through it. I don't. I don't know, and we never will know. I I think you're right. I think he would have overcome that. Well, Harold overcame it. 
But Harold didn't have Butte Irish Catholic. Yeah, he had Southern. He had Southern, <laughs> which is yeah, yeah. yeah he just, ne- they just never got past any day. It. I'll take I'll take the alcoholism over the racism any day. Just well, <laughs> but but it's all the same kind of, you know. It's still a fundamental categorization of a group of people. Right. It's the broad and, labels that, that fail. Yeah. You know, this, everybody talks about, you know, you shouldn't label people. Oh, this conversation has gone off on a direction I really didn't intend. But anyway, yeah. um, uh, that's my show, people. Work with me. Uh, um, labels are, are those funny Republican, things. Republican, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people talk about how, you know, labels are a bad thing and you shouldn't be labeling people. But we all do it in our own minds. It's the way that we function in the world because we see something, we give it an idea, we categorize it, and we move on. And with people, the more you get to know them, the more labels that you put on them and the more three-dimensional they become the 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 problem is is there's so much negativity attached to the broad labels of the major groups that you can belong to you know oh he's gay mm, you know that sort of stuff that's the things that we're having to combat is that these broad labels are, are perceived to be negatives and i don't think they are negatives the groups are seen as negatives because there are a lot of people that just don't like us um and they need to get over it because we're good people so some of you are some of you aren't uh, I think, and I well, think but, that's you know again on, on, a, on like, a basis as a whole, the group is not bad. So no, but yeah. on the basis of a whole, no group is bad. Well, and that's I mean, just the point. Let's, back to my value, original point. Let's start value with value judgments you know. <laughs> here. Value judgments came into being my freshman year in college, and I'm going to say what? You know what's a value judgment? Um, <clears throat> it. What's a cubit? <laughs> and how about a triple? Um, yeah, it. You know the. I. I really enjoyed Avenue Q, because of the challenges that uh, you know it made to the audience to to question some of this. And as you know, I I went twice. Once with your father. Mm-hmm. And then once with a couple of my very dear friends. The Republican Women's Club came to see Avenue Q. (laughs) (laughs) And the Republicans Women's Club is a little bit older than I am and, you know, probably a little bit more conservative than I am, at least at some level. But what I found very interesting is that what most people would think would be very shocking and... uh, unacceptable to you know women of a certain age a certain the ladies philosophy. Who <laughs> no not this group uh, <laughs> but you know the, i think they they actually were not offended at all by you know everyone's a little bit racist because at a certain point you're going, yeah, <laughs> you know, we've recognized it. And, and and you then approach life and people and groups and stuff, recognizing that, okay, maybe it's a human trait and, and maybe it's self-protection to define others in sort of a negative way until you get to know that you can be comfortable with them. And and whether it's you know racist, classist, uh, See, and I, genderist, I, you know, until you know people and go, wait a minute, there's an awful lot more that we have in common than what we don't have in common, and okay, 
we can deal with that. And see, that's a fundamental way of viewing the world that I think is screwed up and that we are perpetuating. And it's fear-based. It's basically, if I don't know you, I don't trust you. And it should be the reverse. It should, you know, and part of it is, of course, you know, society as a whole, we can't have that anymore. We teach kids don't talk to strangers and all this other crap that's that they need to good, know. Kip. Well, but... But it's People, a problem, and and um, and the problem is that they don't get to see the world. Preservation as as a species, I, and I, this goes back to you know men coming out of cave, and you know first you have to evaluate that which is in front of you before you you know. Well, let's pretend it's this, 2012 and we could evolve beyond that. Okay, but can we? I mean, um, one would hope we could. No, there are still bad people out there, Kevin. You have to, I mean, you know, how many people, you know, walking down the street get accosted by a stranger, get mugged or something? Didn't see that coming. And, and But if you approach every bit of life like, with that sort of fear as the starting point, that's not going to be good either. Well, you tone it down to meet the circumstances, but you just don't go walking up to every situation or into every crowd or approach every person, you know, without a maybe microscopic but but reasonable wariness until you understand, you know, what's the situation, who is it? I mean, and that doesn't, you don't approach it from a they're bad, you just approach it from Okay, here's a stranger. I have to be aware of what's going on. <coughs> and you know that that's a that's an instinctive protective device that all human beings have. I don't think that's bad, and I don't think that's really your issue. Cause no, that's because something uh, but that's, that gets but that that microscopic with. level of it isn't the problem. <coughs> <coughs> Need some water. Mm. Have some water. I brought some. Uh, the microscopic issue isn't the problem. What it is is the the bigger issue. And we're talking about, and it's just, to cite specific examples, Christy Allen Galushis needing to take a 9mm Glock to go shopping at Safeway. You know, that level of fear, yeah, kind of stupid. Probably should get therapy. Yeah, but when I run into said Christy Allen Galushis, probably I should be a little afraid. <laughs> Well, yeah, especially if she's carrying a Glock. There's no good chance that she knows how to use it right. Well, but there, you know, uh, the point the point being, you do have to be well, yeah. reasonably concerned. Does well, you have to be. I you should... have to be reasonably aware <laughs> and and reasonably concerned. Once you have reasonably evaluated the situation, you can disregard that. So then the problem is that we have a bunch of people who are unreasonable and loud and want to be involved in everything, trying to make decisions. So let's talk about the election. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to something light. <laughs> that was my segue. People work with it. So uh, how has the election been going from your perspective? Because this, this madness started over a year ago. Would you believe two years ago? Okay. I so mean, I really seriously started working on... Steve Dane's campaign two years ago. Wow. I guess that's... Well, but didn't you... Because now, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Dane's going to run for office before that? Or was it two years ago that he decided he was going to try for the Senate seat? He announced it was... I can't remember exact dates, but it was, you know, October, November 
of uh, 2010. 2010. It was probably right after the 2010 election, so maybe November, uh, that he was going to run for Senate. He was going to challenge Tester, who had just beaten Burns. No, no, no he was going to challenge Tester because it was the next one coming up. But, next one coming up. But Bacchus had just been reelected, yeah? Uh, was Bacchus no, in 10? he's, he's he in year? 8. Oh, okay. So he'll be up for election in 14. Six-year terms are, are crazy. Um, but at least we don't... Well, but, you know, yeah, we year, you know, started, and then, you know, shortly thereafter, the Rick Hill campaign started up, and, you know, and it's like, oh, if this, you know, please, will somebody take the spear out of my eye? <laughs> it's painful at this point. And yet I love it. I mean, I, I thrive on this stuff, but I, you know... There is too much of a good thing happening with this election. And it's a combination of things. We were talking this weekend about, you know, things that need to be changed and reformed here in Montana because they've gotten out of hand. And two-year political campaigns is way out of hand. But they're forced to do it because they need to get the money so that and it's just... And then they've got so much money that... Yeah. Now the nobody's you know I I know I'm you know not unusual because I see it at the post office you know every time I go, people pull the stuff out of the post office box. They have these great big huge garbage cans by the doors, and people just go through the mail and throw all the political postcards, ads, envelopes away. They don't even look at them. It's a huge waste of time, of paper of ink of printing of talent uh, you know just to go from you know one mail processing plant through the post office into the trash can but maybe the post office won't be broke this year <laughs> no i think they're still broke even with all of the <laughs> uh, because it the volume's been up so much they've had to put on extra people um you know and then the ads on tv they you know Again, people have seen them, tuned them out. They, they're they sophisticated enough to know that most of them are at best misleading and certainly not good information that you want to base a vote on, so they don't pay attention to the ads. Good revenue for TV stations and radio stations and all that, but businesses that really need to advertise to get their business going can't even wedge their stuff in. And so, you know, the, all of these politicians kind of going out about, oh, we really want to improve the economy and we want to help jobs and small business and whatnot. And you're going, yeah, they can't get a word in edgewise. That gets old. Uh, I have recipes, however, for changing all of that. <laughs> Would you like yeah. to go any of them into any of them? Well, first and foremost, I think we need to shorten the season, and I think it starts by you know saying that you can't start collecting money for a campaign until you've actually filed for the office. Um. And, and that would be actually filing being, for the office because we have two different things. In Montana, we have the ability to say that you're running but not what you're running for, pre-filing sort of thing. Well, by law, you're supposed to say what you're pre-filing for, too. Uh, 
and and that's got a complaint up in front of COPP on one of our gubernatorial candidates because he was collecting money. You know, he had a choice to make. He could run for the office he was currently holding because he wasn't termed out, or he could go for another one. He knew he was going to run for one or the other, needed to start collecting money, but really hadn't decided which way to go yet. So a valid issue. I, I'm not criticizing him for doing that, but the law says before you can start collecting money, you had to say what you were doing, and he didn't do that. Um, but again, you know, collecting money two years out kind of thing. So, you know, by law in Montana, you can't file until January, like early January or 5th or something, early January of the year of the election is your first filing date. So that should be the first day you can start collecting money. Well, and, and that's what I don't stories. understand because these people that are like, well, I'd like to collect money two years early. All you're doing, all you're doing at that point is is destroying the playing field for yourself because if you start, they're going to start. And as soon as you do that, then you're stuck doing it the entire time. Well, that that's kind of the, the vicious circle that people get into. But you look what happens, and I think the Steve Danes race is exactly indicative of that. Because there he was, you know, two years out, starts raising money, thinking he's going for Senate, which was valid at that time. He wasn't. He, he had things printed, Steve Daines, for Senate. Yeah, some of them got mailed out. Oops. No. Some of them got mailed out late. <laughs> that, was the, that was the oops. Some of us, you know, wish he was running for Senate, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But um, then, you know, he changed. Well, Ballad, he didn't change. Reberg well, decided that he was going to run but, against Tester. And, and he could have, I mean, Steve could have been in the primary, but he decided, no, you know, let's not go there. He he made a valid choice to change. Okay, we understand that. But those decisions were all made well ahead of the filing date. Um had they not been able to raise money until the filing date, and you know, who knows what have what would have happened. But the point I was going toward is the fact that Steve had all of that time where he was out fundraising. The Democrats fielded a, a huge slate of primary candidates mm-hmm. that you know then went trying to collect. They had to run against each other. By the time the primary race was over and they had selected a candidate, Kim Gillen was so far behind the eight ball monetarily that, you know, and both of them kind of started from the same place. They were not well known, either one of them. They had very low name recognition. And that's, you need some money, you need some time to get it out there. But, you know, Kim was at a very serious disadvantage by that point because. Steve had raised considerable amounts of money that would allow him to do the media buys, do whatever advertising he needs. And the latest polls coming out, you know, Kim Gillen's name recognition is still way low. She'll do, you know, because it's basically a two-person race. She'll get a lot more votes than her name recognition Uh would suggest because of party affiliation. But you don't win races that way. So, you know, the the playing field in that race was horribly unlevel from the get-go. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, um, you know, then, then you, on the opposite side, you had the, the gubernatorial race where, you know, Steve Bullock, when he finally decided to, to run for governor, he'd been collecting money for quite some time. He threw it into the, the governor pot. And then there was a, a perfunctory candidate that filed so that he could double the money. You know, he could raise as much for the primary as he could for the the general. And the Republicans, where there was a big primary battle, those candidates had to spend that money that they raised then to, you know, select a, a primary winner and then compete in the general. The playing field becomes incredibly unlevel again. Um, so I think fundamental changes have to be made there on... You know, when you can start collecting money and, you know, when you can start spending it, too, I think, you know, we don't, you don't really need to torture the electorate for months and months and months and months <laughs> with political ads. As much as I love them, and I really do, you know, and that's what's sad when you get somebody who's total political junkie saying, "Okay, I've had too much of the good times." Yeah, it's it's it's, it's time for political rehab. <laughs> exactly, you know, and then on top of that, we have, you know, the the Supreme Court decisions and Citizens United coming out, and and you know, we're we're wading through all that muck and guck and stuff. And there are some legitimate constitutional issues that need to be resolved, probably should have been resolved, you know, in 1912 and weren't done right. Um, you know, as far as corporations and having a role to play, they do play a role. You know, this this whole whole thing about, well, no corporate donations. I'm going, have you ever seen PACs, you know, Corporation, you know, maybe you get, you know, you wind it around, but corporations have a very legitimate role to play in American society and politics. But it need, we need to be upfront about it. We need to be fair about it, if you will. We need to be open and, and, and out in the sunshine. Exactly. You know, the stuff that's happening with American Traditions Partnership is it's absolutely awful. insane. And... Um, yeah, when we were discussing the newspaper, I mean, I don't know that you've seen it, the newspaper. Yeah, I did. And your thoughts? It was awful. So, see, everybody, a Republican agrees. Hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I mean. <clears throat> also, uh, I think it was illegal because it's got an ad council ad in there and an ad from DPHHS, neither of which were authorized. So that means they can be sued. That could be fun because could that be, that means you know, they get to go after the donors. But because it doesn't, it doesn't. Clean up the process. No, I mean, yeah, no, you can but it, nibble around the edges in some. But it gets, should punish them. But but that the point is, punishment doesn't solve the problem, and there there is a problem. I, you know, I watched the the front line. I'm pretty sure you just advocated be. for eliminating the death penalty without realizing it. But anyway, okay. <laughs> no, I did not. Um, punishment doesn't I, solve the problem. Well, doesn't always. Uh, sometimes it does. Sometimes it eliminates the problem. Uh, but the um, the Frontline PBS documentary last mm -hmm. week, you know, it 
it really illustrated how a group like uh, WTP or ATP or whatever they're going, you know, the secret stuff, the third party, the independent expenditures, you know, they they can really throw the process uh, into the garbage. I mean, it, it, trash it. Um, you know, I go back to the one of the races they they focused on was the John Ward Mike Miller race in two thousand eight, right? Two thousand eight, two thousand six. 2008. 2008. 2010 was, was the second term. Yeah, 2008. Um, you know, I've known John for years and really like him and was supportive of him. And but I don't live in the district, so you know, didn't didn't really have a chance to to vote in that particular election. At that point, didn't know Mike Miller at all. You know, hadn't really seen him. Didn't you know? Okay, you know, I I threw a couple of shekels at John Ward and helped him, you know, moral support, and that was about the extent of it. He really got devastated by a last-minute mailer that just was incredibly inaccurate. I mean, it was lying. It was horrible. Uh, trashed him and left people wondering, oh, my God, I mean, it, it, compared, it, it accused him of, you know, consorting with sexual offenders or something. I mean, it was just outrageous, totally. And it was wrong, but it caused enough people to question him, not vote for him, that in the primary, Mike Miller was able to win. And it took me a long time before I was able to to kind of, you know, see Mike as, you know, just kind of a standby because he had nothing to do with that mailer. Uh, whether he even knew it was going out is is probably, uh, you know, I don't think he did. That's part of the whole thing on independent expenditures. The candidate well, and, and the campaign can't know what's right. happening. Really. And, and there's been a couple of accusations that have happened since that Frontline article that have gone against Mike. And I know Mike. He's been on the show, and he's actually been on the show a couple of times. And I, I've talked to him mm. in the halls. and, and Mike's a great guy. Right. I, I really love him. You and, know, and in talking to him, I don't think he would have done that. Well, and I asked him, I was like, what's going on? And he's like, you know, I talk to these people, but I talk to you when you're campaigning and you're running and you're new and you're, you're doing all those things. You talk to a ton of people. And so, yes, I talked to him, but I don't, you know, he didn't have any of the collusion discussions that would have been required. Well, and if he did, then he'd be vulnerable to, you know sanctions and stuff because that's a violation of political practices. Right. And well, so and the other part of it is he's not one of those people. He, no, he, he ran isn't. because he believes in something and he's actually, you know, you may not agree with his politics and I don't agree with all of it, but um, he's one of the better people to work with in the legislature on either side, simply because they'll sit down and listen. And when he comes to a different conclusion, he can follow his own train of thought from beginning to end. And he knows that he got there and why he got there and what it means to him to have uh, gone through that evolution. Mm. So, you know, those sorts of thoughtful people tend to not do these things, these snaky, horrible things. You know, and, and he was, he was a newbie. He was naive. He had no idea. And actually I think, this was kind of a new level even in Montana politics. I don't think any of us really had seen that level of 
uh, nasty campaigns, at least in recent memory. That, that was pretty awful. It was pretty eye-opening, and it, it's something that needs to be stopped. Um, you know, and yet we need to do it in a very thoughtful way, cognizant of the fact that we do have constitutional rights to free speech. Yeah, but you don't have the, the constitutional right have, to free speech is limited as well. And I love the people go, it's not unlimited. Well, it, 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 or it is unlimited. It's not, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. No. <laughs> and you, and you, you know, there are ways to, to regulate it without limiting, you know, the truth being out. You, yeah, you don't have a right to lie about issues or candidates, um, at least without prominently noticing everybody that, hey, I'd like to tell you something, but this is blatantly a lie, so I don't, you know, don't believe it, but here's what I'm going to say anyhow. You know, maybe <laughs> that's the way to do it. Can we just you get know? that printed on a T-shirt for Tim Ravenall and <laughs> Harris Himes? <laughs> you know, uh, and, and some things are... Going back to it, value judgments. You have to make, you do have to distinguish between opinions and facts, and you know, it, it it's complicated. It's involved, and it is something that needs to be done sooner rather than later. Here in Montana, well, there's a great old quote from, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, it's the uh, Great people talk about ideas. Uh, mediocre people talk about, or and, and crappy people talk about each other. I don't think we should elect anybody who falls in the category of crappy people. Um, I'm sure that's not what she said. It's probably it was far more elegant. Uh, it was Roosevelt. Come on, but uh, the basic gist of it is your political ads should be talking about what you're going to do and what you believe and how you see things and what you've done. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. Because if you start talking about somebody else, you become one of those small minded individuals that we really probably shouldn't have in charge. Which is why one of the things I, at least at this point, without having totally thought this one completely through, but at this point, I think one of the major reforms for, you know, campaign practices is that all revenues, all contributions have to go to the candidate that you support. And the can candidate and campaign has complete control over all the revenue. This independent expenditure thing, I think, is a real problem. Uh, but I know that that can't happen because as soon as, as soon not? as, because that was part of the decision of Citizens United was that you can't tell them they can't spend money on politics. That's but the whole can, point. But you can tell them when they can. You know, for example, I think it would be perfectly constitutional to say that they can't advertise using any candidate's name in the period three months up to the election. Before then, whatever. But that three-month period pre immediately preceding an election... Which covers our absentee ballot time. Absentee ballot time. It, it, you know, I, and I'm throwing three months out just off the top of my head. I don't know that that's sacred at all. But it, it says at that point, you can't. everything goes through the campaign. The campaign has control of the message. And if you don't support that candidate, that campaign, 
don't give him money. Give it to the other guy. Or don't be involved. Or, or step out. Or step give it to the third party. No, that that's a really good good point because that might actually make a third party a viable thing. Um, Not particularly the third parties in this state. Well, and I don't. I don't <sighs> actually. I, I I'm very hesitant to encourage third party development because uh, we really have evolved to a a very comfortable two-party system. There are multiple groups within those parties and the fight happens, you know, there. It gets messy in, you know, parliamentary type situations or other systems, like, you know, the uh, British, Australians, you know, you get a little bit of this and the fight goes on forever. We tend to do the fighting and bickering and infighting, and and it happens in both Democrat and Republican parties. I'm seeing it also in the Tea Parties and the Libertarians, you know, because you know what is this group? What what well, are we our values? It, we see We're, it in the the unions versus the environmentalists, and well, yeah, uh, I mean, neither the uh, neither of the two major parties are monolithic, never have been, never will be. And that's a good thing, but, but the evolution well, takes place there. Well, they're not monolithic, but they also don't have a lot of overlap, overlap. And that's the problem. The Venn diagram of the two circles, the Democrat and Republican, are two separate circles right now. They need to have a little more overlap. Oh, I think they're... See, I, I don't... I think there's... Within the people, there's a lot of overlap. It's Yeah, but know, they're not as, allowed to exercise it right now. True, because... And that's the problem. Well, uh, yeah, the, the emphasis is on the differences, not on the similarities. Ah, we've come back. We've come full circle on the show. Yes, Rather we quickly. have. <laughs> Wasn't that just about time for me to get back to, lunch, to work? Uh, uh, but, yeah, that's exactly, you know, we, you do have to start emphasizing. But it can happen. And I think, you know, that's where leadership comes into play. Mm-hmm. And not just the president. It's leadership in Congress from both parties. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's well, it's leadership hey, of the people. You know, let's let's uh, let's yeah, take it back right. to what it amounts to. If you're a voter, and everybody over the age of eighteen should be a voter, you have to take responsibility for what's going on in your government. It's we the people, and we keep letting stuff happen that's just screwy, and we're letting this create this situation exist. So we need to stop. Well, and we <laughs> is what started the Tea Party. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's been co-opted by a bunch of crazies. Uh, and, and Some of it has. Some of it, yeah. But there are crazies in the Democrat Party. I know, and there I know. Are and there are the crazies Republic. in Occupy so that took got, over some of that, too. And you've got crazy in the, <clears throat> the Tea Party. But here's the thing. Uh, we've, any, let, we've let people who are loud, who are the squeaky wheels, have determined where we're going politically. And it's got to stop. It's absolutely well, got to stop. Hey, that's what it's always been is, you know, the people, the people with the microphones and the megaphones are the people who get the attention. Well, if that were true, you'd think I'd have more people listening to the show. <laughs> hey, but you got more now than you had before you started. Well, that's true. Okay. Because <clears throat> it was so just it, in my head then and yeah. only the 12 people in there were listening. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so so uh, um, you're going to be at the big Republican to do tomorrow night at the Red Lion. Absolutely. I think I'm going to be over at the big Democrat to do at the Best Western. 
I have an idea. We'll talk about it after the show because I, I think we, we could have some... Skype it? Well, that's what I was thinking because I could set you up with one of the mics over with your little MacBook Air. And I could be with the other mic and my MacBook Pro. And we could Skype together and we could kind of talk to people across town and do it live. We plan on drinking... So do I. So do I. <laughs> I don't know that we want we that. Won't, we won't call recorded. it a politic-tick boom. We'll call it a martinis in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't think many people will want to be recorded for posterity. <laughs> we voted. <laughs> yeah, a celebration, you know. And, and I guess, bottom line, as messy and, you know, unkempt as the whole process is, it really is still a process to be thankful for and to treasure and appreciate because we aren't settling this with guns guns and you know AK47s and sams and you know rioting in the streets hopefully you know it doesn't mean that we don't continue to stay involved and you know be the voice that we the people has to be all the time. This is not a part-time government. It's full-time and we have to be informed and uh, and involved and and engaged 24/7 after the election. Um, oh no, I'm taking I, a nap. <laughs> you know, I, I get very, very <clears throat> frustrated when I talk to people, intelligent people, uh, you know, very, you know, dynamic people. And, you know, they don't, they don't know who their senator is. They don't, senators are, who their congressperson is. They have no idea when the legislature's meeting or what it is. And yet they'll tell you that, you know, yeah, this is really important to me. Good government is critical. Good government, you haven't got a clue who your government representatives are. And that's been something that's just boggled my mind. You know, kids can, you know, they can tell you every, the lyric of every song that hits the top 40. And, you know, they know all the the actors and stars and all that. Haven't got a clue about the people who are really making decisions that will affect the rest of their lives. And that's, that's bad. That's pathetic. Uh, and it won't change. Because it's well, really a, much more interesting to know the well, lyrics. That's a downer. Thanks, Mom. You know, it, it's been that way. You know, you have a small group of people that, that you know, do get involved, do find it interesting. So how come you haven't run for office? Never. Ever, 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 you know, what those candidates go through is beyond anything I I would ever do. Uh, you know, my absolute deepest, most heartfelt appreciation to every single person who is willing to put their their life out there and, and to run for office. That is an extraordinary sacrifice that every one of them, you know, running for, you know, just local office, uh, a statewide office, national office, uh, the toll that takes on them is immense, and I, I truly do appreciate it. 
But it's not exactly true. I actually do run for office every other year. I have for six years, seven. Oh, with the party. Yeah. But yeah. hey, I'm on the ballot. I get votes. <laughs> not you a also lot. Get, you also get a lot of flack, so let's be honest. You were the head of the Republican Party in, in uh, Lewis and Clark County for a while, weren't you? Yes. Yes. And then you were a delegate to the convention in two thousand eight? Yes. Yes. That was that was a highlight. That was I finally made it to a national convention. Next on the bucket list is making it to Washington DC. For an inauguration? That would work. Well, when yeah. I run for president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hanging around that long. I, uh, I have got to get back to work. Okay. Well, thank fun. you for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. And um, remember, everybody, if you haven't voted, go out tomorrow. You can still register. Montana still hasn't screwed up their laws. You can still register to vote on the same day. Go to the county courthouse to do it. Be sure and take proper identification, though, so your ballot... Gets counted. counted tomorrow. It, right. It'd be know, counted anyway because it's a provisional, but we'd rather have it counted tomorrow because we'd like to know how this But it's to the courthouse if you don't take the ID because you'll... And proper ID would be... Uh, State-issued ID. State-issued ID. Driver's license. Driver's license. State-issued ID. Passport. passport. Uh, you can take your, uh, utility bills. Your utility bill is there to prove... And birth certificate. Uh, Birth certificate, I don't think works. Hmm. And I, you know, check. So here's the deal. It's all online at sos.mt.gov, the stuff that you need. But uh, your utility bill or something like that proves you're a resident of Montana and qualified to vote. You will have, if you don't have uh, the proper photo ID, you will need to provide. Uh, the last four digits of your social security number, and it will be verified with social security to make sure that all the details match on your registration card. So, you know, the the system in Montana really, any system, you know, can be breached with a lot of work and a lot of effort and a plan, you know, there, but the the Montana voter ID system is really quite sufficient to keep voter fraud from happening in this state. So on any kind of a scale, well, it could possibly make a difference. And, you know, we've had to work at that for a while because, no offense to my friends in Butte, but Butte is the home of voterly vote often. So <laughs> anyway, so thanks for being on the show. And everybody, I hope you have a great election. We will see you later on in the week with a recap of what's happened. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks.